Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Everything Went Black podcast. This episode and every episode is brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee. I'd like to welcome Fabian Garcia, someone who I've known for the last few years. Uh, we met at Kuban's Muay Thai camp. Fabian is integral in me returning to training. Uh, without him, I really couldn't have uh, done all the things I've done the last couple of years. As you all know, I've had uh, chronic problems with my knees, torn menisci, uh, you know, just massive problems. Fabian's going to uh, share some of his insights into the world of physical therapy and uh, joint manipulation, uh, joint health, and how to uh, basically improve your life through primal movements and uh, joint nutrition. And uh, make sure you guys all have your notebooks because this episode has a lot of information and it comes at you pretty quickly. So you're all going to have to pay attention. Before we get started, I just want to shout out to uh, all of our affiliate sponsors um, on it, who is probably, I keep going on and on about how much I love this company. I take their supplements every day. Krill oil, hemp force protein, strong bone, the MCT oil in my morning coffee, all that sort of stuff. I can't say enough good things about on it. Datsusara, my favorite gear bag company. It's antimicrobial, made out of hemp, and they look pretty goddamn cool. If you're interested in checking out all this stuff, head over to everythingwentblackmedia.com and uh, look at the portal, and you'll see links to all these sites. If you're interested in ordering, Please order through those links because it helps me keep the lights on here and um, every little bit helps in this day and age. I'd like to thank everybody. I had a bunch of new likes on Facebook. So, um, so yeah, if you dig the podcast, um, like our Facebook page, leave us a review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you're into following me on Twitter, at MikeHillHQ, and also on Instagram, it's Mike underscore Hill underscore primate. And um, that's just sort of a personal Instagram account. Nothing directly related to the podcast, even though I do post stuff on there, photos, that sort of stuff. But a lot of it's uh, pictures of my cat uh, and other miscellaneous things. You know, new records I buy, you know, beautiful landscapes as I travel across this country. But enough about that and on to the episode. So how long have I known you? I've known you for like what, like five or six years? Six years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what is it exactly that you do, man? Because half of the time when I come here, I have no fucking idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> well, to put it in one statement, we're the only negative pressure-driven physical therapy clinic in the United States. Okay. And what that does is that. Uh, it would be silly to say that we do the opposite of what every other PT is trained to do. But what's more accurate to say is that we do mathematically the opposite of our treatment, of our driving treatment, which is cupping, medicupping, than what every other physical therapist is taught to do. Uh, one of the problems with a lot of therapy is that the entry-level doctorate program, regardless of what the specialization is, is generated not to teach you clinical strategy, clinical skill, clinical, you know, expertise. The whole program is designed to make you pass an eight-hour test. 
That's it. End yeah. of story. Okay, so it's like a real sort of you know sort of regimented like routine. Like there's a, a curriculum, and you're basically just learning the material to the curriculum so you can take a test. But that's it. Okay. And, and the test is the only thing that matters in PT school because to get uh, accreditation, you have to have ninety percent of your student population pass that test. So as a result, even in PT school, year one, just like freshman year, there are weeding out classes where they want all the suckers weeded out, all the kids that can't come in, that can't study, because they need to retain that passing rate as high as possible. And we're not talking about the passing rate in the first one. The majority of my compadres that took the test passed it on their third, fourth, fifth time. There are plenty of therapists who have gotten jobs based off of fictitiously telling their employers that they pass the test. And so there's a high percentage of therapists out there who haven't even passed the boards. I know because in my last place, we caught two, and immediately they got fired the next day. Yeah. So everything revolves around passing this test, passing this test. So a lot of the clinical nuances and gems come really from background, um, background careers, background courses, academic courses, or background uh, continuing ed courses that you've chosen just to in, in invest in yourself. So you're as good as how much you actually want to invest in yourself, which takes time, but unfortunately it takes a lot of money too. Yeah, just you know, education is like a huge you know, industry. You know. Huge component. Aaron took it. So the way I came to you was a couple of years ago I had um, a torn meniscus, an injury, and... Uh, you know, I'd gone through a couple of different iterations of physical therapy, um, you know, through my doctor's uh, prescription. Um, nothing really seemed to be working. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, things were getting worse. All through this period of time, I was training, you know, martial arts and, you know, weightlifting and things like that. I finally got to the point where I had to get a, a PRP injection, which is a platelet-rich plasma injection. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and then I contacted you because at our Muay Thai camp, I saw one of your uh, PVC rollers, <laughs> and it had your name on the side. And I'm like, oh, that's that fucking guy that I met in class. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we actually spoke briefly about, um, I was explaining to you that I was having knee problems, and you gave me a little bit of advice about that. So that was just about, pretty much a, just about a year ago mm -hmm. that I think I first came here. And within that year, I'm... About, I've regained about 97 or 98 percent of my full range of motion and mm -hmm. everything. I mean, today we, we met today to train, and compared to the day I walked in here to now, I mean, there's like a night and day improvement, I guess, in my overall athleticism and my joint, you know, uh, ranges of motion and all that. And the, and your feet control. And my, you know, my foot control. Yeah, which is key with athletes. A lot of people sleep on and don't realize how important that is. But some of the uh, the techniques that we use to achieve all this stuff were totally alien to me, okay? And that's, that's uh, you know, it was a big leap of faith because I was like, well, you know, I'll try this. It sounds interesting. You know, some of the stuff specifically, uh, you know, the, 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 the dry needling, mm -hmm. which is a lot different than the other acupuncture that I've, that I've experienced. 100%, yeah. And then the cupping techniques. So first with the dry needling, what, what's the difference between what most people think of Acupuncture is they put these series of needles in you and you just kind of chill out for this like, period of time. Well, the main thing is that dry needling is completely 
100% American. This is American as apple pie. We have developed in the 60s our own system. And the guy that I learned from is actually the creator of it. So I've been fortunate enough to be in this generation of blossoming techniques where I've actually learned from the creators themselves, from the original people who originated. And to credit Dr. Yung Tao Ma, um, Chinese-American guy, but double or triple doctor at our University of Texas, he actually created what's known as the American Drainaling System, or the INMAS, or the Integrated Neuromuscular Acupoint System. Uh, the main difference with it, and again, TCM, or acupuncture, as an extension of traditional Chinese medicine, it works. However, the driving concepts are com have nothing to do with each other, completely night and day. Uh, traditional Chinese medicine, for the most part, is a fictitious creation based under a death threat. So the Yellow Emperor, 4,000 years ago, told his general, grab him and said, create me a healthcare system right now or I'm going to chop off your head. And he goes, okay, no problem, meridian concepts. <laughs> and again, I always say, you know, creativity is driven by sometimes desperation and so is ingenuity. And the guy created a healthcare system based off of death threat. And as a result, you have now meridian concepts. Now, when you do something for 4,000 years, you're going to get quite good at it. You're going to develop a system. And I'm not calling it a system of inefficiency, but it's definitely a system based off of trial and error and observation, cause and effect, to which me is no different than my mom giving me chicken noodle soup or chicken soup to help fight a cold. We all know it works. We have no clue why it works. But generations have proven us that cause and effect, cause and effect, it works and works trial and error. I'll tell you the reason why it works. Because once you cook chicken fat long enough, it denatures into a protein that has healing properties. That's it. Well, that's the difference between dry needling and traditional Chinese medicines slash acupuncture. Is that dry needling is based off of two very important things. Gross anatomy, which got created in England only 200 years ago by the English medical community. And more anything, statistics. This dude needled 4,000 people and mapped out which are the 25 hotspots in the human body, the top 50, the top 75, top 100, and he made a statistical analysis of the prevalence of each one of these spots. So let's just say I put a needle in your left forearm, in your radial extensor nerve. That's going to be hot on 99.76% of the population. Again, 99.76% of the population. That type of statistical analysis has not been done to acupuncture, to Chinese acupuncture. So as a result, does Chinese acupuncture work? 100%. Does American dry needling work? 100%. Do they have some overlap? 100%. Because 70% of the meridian points in acupuncture are acupoint systems in the American system. So basically, it's what I tell people all the time. Alcohol, no matter where it comes from, will always fuck you up in the exact same way. The science of alcohol is, is consistent. Inebriation crosses a blood-brain barrier in six seconds, other than tequila, it's a depressant, uh, and it's highly caloric, blah, 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 blah. Well, 
What makes alcohol different then? Cultural manifestation. That's it. Japanese have their sake. Mexicans tequila. South Americans have their uh, mate. Uh, the French have their wines or Bordeaux. I mean, the list goes on and on. So when you talk about alcohol and its cultural manifestation, whether it be sake, scotch, beer, etc., etc., you're talking about the science of the needle. Does not change whether it's Japanese, Cambodian, Nordic, Aztec, Mayan, Filipino, uh, Chinese, American. None of it changes because the physiology of the needle does not change, which is why there is so much overlap. Much to say, if you drink enough Bud Lights, you're going to get fucked up. That's it. The, the, the science is always the same, which is what fascinates me. But what do I like about joining the most? It's American, so it's an American language. So if I, my man comes in with sore quads, guess what? I'm not going to kneel his H3, I'm going to kneel his quads. So it empowers the American patient to give feedback in American terminology, which is basically Western medicine. Dude, I'm sore. Do I have neurological pain? Do I throw out my neck last night? Feedback. No problem, no problem, no problem. Yeah. We share the same language, and by sharing the same language, it empowers the patient and gives me feedback history, which will then be used as a strategy when I work on my man Mike here. There is no way I'm going to hit H7, C6, or T1 when I have no, when he has no clue what that means. That's, a, that's an even bigger leap of faith. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So at least I can at least gain his trust between professional and patient by speaking the same language. I mean, if you're another language, who do you, uh, I mean, acclimate to the most? People who speak your language. If you're, if you're like, hey, I'm an American, and you're in, you know, in Mongolia somewhere, well, hey, you're an American in Mongolia. Can I buy you a drink, my man? It's just because we speak the same language, same culture. Familiarity, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Dry kneeling is American culture. It's American as apple pie, man, baseball, all that great American stuff that we love. Dry kneeling is American. So that's that's why it's my treatment of choice. The other thing was is uh, the cupping techniques. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I first came here, you put these fucking suction cups on me <laughs> and, like, created a vacuum. And I had these, it looked like I'd been abducted by aliens when yeah. I got home. And yeah. it's like, red circles all over me. And, um, you know, having been exposed to that over the course of the year, I can see at different times there's different results, mm-hmm. depending on what sort of, you know, stress my body was under or, you know, other, you know, I'll let you explain. Like, what exactly is going on with the, with the cupping techniques? Well, with the cupping, what's amazing about it is that, it's, again, the opposite of positive pressure. And, again, positive pressure has its place. Positive pressure works to a certain degree. But one of the things I realized is that if you define pain, pain is protein and water. That's it. End of story. Can it look different? Sure. If you add protein and, and water, sometimes it'll look like a martini. Fluid, clear, very, very kinetic. And other times, it's going to look like a thick peanut butter protein shake. Uh, low viscosity. Doesn't want to move at all. Almost gooey, kind of snot-like. Well, once you define protein and water, and that's it, the last thing I want to do, if Mike has, let's, let's say, some pain in his uh, calf, for example. A lot of us walk around with calf and feet pain as we get older. The last thing I want to do is take that protein, smash it, and then drive it lower and deeper and deeper to the tissue until literally that protein hits the bone, the skeletal system, the deepest anatomical element, 
and it inflames the bone. And that's what's known as periosteal inflammation. And basically what that is, is you wake up one day and you feel old as shit. That is periosteal inflammation, my friends. And that's when you've had people tell you, do your deep soft tissue work, massage, massage, massage. What that massage is doing is it's taking proteins that cause inflammation, proteins that cause pain, and you're putting it deeper and deeper and deeper in your basement, and you're praying it goes away. Friends, it does not go away. It stays there, and it accelerates the aging process. It kills us from the inside out. So what happens is our bodies start then getting inflammation from the inside out. Our internal temperatures raise all the time. We lose the ability to cool ourselves down, reach homeostasis. And as a result, we are literally cooking ourselves from the inside out. So the deeper it gets and the deeper that heat gets, it's cooking meat that looks no different than charred hamburger meat. How do you expect to move that? You can't. So what we do is we do the complete opposite. We separate the tissue and allow for that protein to gently slide right out. And the great thing about that that complements that is that water slides in. Well, what's the big deal if water slides in? Well, a lot of people don't think about it, but water absorbs heat at like 90 degrees a second. You don't really think about this shit. So if you take a samurai sword, right, freshly made, 600 degrees, and put it in water, it will absorb heat in 90 degrees a second, and within 8 seconds, that sword will be at room temperature. Look it up. It's basic metal cooling techniques. Well, what happens if you open up tissue... And now you introduce water for the first time. It's going to do the same thing. Water's not going to have a bypass. It's just three molecules, H2O, that's it. So what it's going to do is it's going to cool you from the inside out. So what does cupping do? Separates tissue in order to A, slide out all that funk that causes all that inflammation and pain. B, water slides in, cools you from the inside out. And then C, the other thing that you can also do is break up adhesions with it. Because once you get that tissue inside that cup... You're not going anywhere. Oh, no. Yeah. Not, man. Yeah, yeah. So you can start manipulating in any way you want. Linear, circular, adding motion. The amount of creativity is just limited by, you know, practitioner's mood, his intent, and how he's feeling that day, you know? But the cup is a very, very effective way just to separate tissue. Keep in mind, I'm not saying muscle, skin. I'm, I'm, I'm not going, I'm not geeking out. Just plain old tissue. And that includes nerves, fat, five layers of, of uh, skin, of the dermis, seven layers of deep muscles that actually surround the lumbar vertebrae, the pelvis. All that deep seared tissue, if you can sear that out, cool that area, what we're doing is basically promoting longevity by cooling down the tissue from the inside out. So we can actually cool you uh, and your tissues from the inside out, man. It's a... It's actually a very comfortable feeling thing to be walking it around and 98.7 degrees like we're supposed to instead of 99.9 or almost like to a low fever all day long. I mean, what do you think is going to happen to the body if you walk around with a low gray fever for the rest of your life? It's a slow death, my friends. Yeah, because I noticed like when, you know, like I said, at different times I noticed different things. Like when I first came here, you know, I was all out of whack there's a great amount of heat in certain areas of my body that were damaged. Oh, yeah. You know, it would be hot to the touch. You can know, almost, I'm not, I'm not joking, you can almost feel like you could fry an egg with the amount of heat. And then what we do with that is you just can't leave that heat there and let it just sit on you like a fat lady sitting on you. You have to have some responsibility in mobilizing heat. That's what we do. We mobilize water. Water carries heat. We got to mobilize it, mobilize it. 
So Mike knows we just throw good old-fashioned rubbing alcohol, 50% isopropyl alcohol, and we take that heat that's at the surface and then just blow it off into the environment, literally blow off that inflammation, that pain, that sickness just goes off into the environment. Remember, the skin is a huge excretory organ. If you smell, it's because you're eating something that makes you smell. That's it. It's a huge excretory organ. So it's not just about urination and excretion and fees. Our, our, our sweat follows it's the same concept, the same drive. And excessive heat is a byproduct of too much, too many reactions going on in the body. Body needs to be at a cool 98.7, man. So what we do is that we just cool the body, man. We bring that heat up to the surface, and then we throw it into the atmosphere. See you later, sayonara, man. And he knows that, that once you put that rubbing alcohol on, you feel that heat just being absorbed from your body that we actually brought from the inner tissues to the outer tissues, now to the environment, and we just say bye. One of the other concepts that you sort of introduced to me that I thought was really interesting is the idea about um, how connected everything is as far as tissue goes, mm -hmm. you know, like your bones and fascia and, and muscle and all that stuff, and how... Um, you know, it's all really one kind of thing, mm -hmm. and which is different than when you go to, like, a traditional doctor or even, like, a tra traditional PT person who will look at things as these isolated, standalone systems as opposed to something that's integrated throughout the body. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that they teach you at an entry-level um, PT, even though it's a doctorate level, is your gross anatomy. And the problem with the gross anatomy is that the tool has become reality. Whenever, uh, 200 years ago, 250 years ago, when we started unearthing cadavers, we started looking at dead bodies and examining them in a very, in a very huge microscope way. We had a brand new level of information that we've never had before. And you can look at old Ayurvedic medicine and a lot of, again, TCM and more of this ancient medicine that a lot of people uh, sometimes, in my opinion, romanticize and gravitate to. Come on. None of that medicine was based off actual anatomical studies where you had a group of dedicated men who took the time to fillet up a dead person, a cadaver, in the name of science. It does not exist in any other culture. Review it. It does not exist in any other culture. That's why I don't really believe in the Ayurvedic medicine or sometimes in more of the old Asian systems. Uh, we are doing everything based off gross anatomy. And what happened was that all of a sudden we realized, man, we have over 600 muscles in the human body, over 200 bones, multiple articulations. How the fuck are we going to categorize all this? So what we did was we created a system of, of for every muscle, an origin, an insertion, uh, an action, a relative action at that joint, depends on how many joints you have, and also an innervation. And that helped us for about 150 years to really categorize what we've explored and, and, you know, unearthed. But what happened was that people then started believing the tool. So there is no... They, people all the time talk about their biceps brachii. You're coming in with a bicipital tendonitis or you're coming in with, a, with some type of um, inflammation of your bursa. No, you're not. You're walking in with a bunch of messed up tissue. That's all it is. And the reason that we deconstruct here at this clinic 
we don't use the word muscles here. We don't use the words tendons. We don't use the word ligaments. We don't use any of that shit. We've deconstructed it into what it actually is, which is all variations of tissue. So at one point, when we were, um, I don't know, a cell or two, you know, after our parents, um, we were literally just a bunch of fibroblasts, which means that it was just a bunch of cells. Some of the cells become eyeballs, some become feet, nails, some become Mike's meniscus, some become my ponytail, etc., etc. You fill in the blanks. But at the end of the day, all these different cells have manifested themselves into tissues. That's it. Everything is tissue. So when I suck up, when I put a cup on Mike's leg, I am breaking apart tissue. Because I'm not sure if it's the dermis or the skin level 3, 4, 5 that I'm ripping up. I'm not sure if it's the underlying fascia I'm ripping up. I'm not sure if it's intramuscular, extramuscular fascia I'm ripping up. I don't know if it's a septum between the muscles, the nerves, etc., etc. I can just go on with all these anatomical elements. Yeah, I'm just ripping up shit. That's all I'm doing. I'm tearing up tissue. It's all just tissue, folks. If you have anyone who keeps using muscle terms to describe bicipital tendonitis and patella tendonitis and lower back pain and all this stuff, you're really just getting someone who likes jerking off to their academic degrees. That's all there is. Because the simplicity of it, folks, is that we are not 600 muscles. We are one human body with one tissue that has 600 pockets. Let me repeat that. We are not 600 muscles that work independently. We are one body that has 600 pockets where tissue fills up. That's all it is. And anyone who disagrees really hasn't had the time to deconstruct their thoughts, their theories, everything that they've learned. Because again, they're too busy jerking off to their degrees, man. And at the end of the day, it's not about the degrees, it's about the patients and what exactly works best for them. You need to deconstruct everything, look at the simplicity of what the human body is. And when people come in with knee pain, well, guess what? I'm ripping up the whole house. You know, if, you're, if your bathroom is broken, I'm taking apart the whole house and then putting it back together again. And that's what we do that's different here. We have a highly, highly simple, deconstructed view of the human body that allows us to treat everything. Yeah. That's it. End of story. You got to treat everything. You have all kinds of different different injuries and conditions that come in through here, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just and the approach is pretty much the same, you know, and uh, and that's a, and that's a key point that he brought up because even if my man has tension in his feet, you know that I'm going to be working on his skull because the connective tissue in the feet runs along the PBL. I mean, I'm sorry, the SBL, the superior, uh, the superior uh, back line. And it runs all the way from his big toe, through his calf, through his hamstring, through his glutes, through his back, through the neck, the top of his skull, into his eyebrows. So when people are now coming in here for more recovery techniques, or let's just say you have a bunch of marathoners that just want their calves worked on, no, we do the whole complex. We literally put cups all the way up. And even though they're in here for feet pain, I will work on their head. I will completely work on the tissue surrounding the skull. And then they magically feel better. It's, it's just basic science, folks. We're just one blanket just wrapped around in just different lines. That's all it is. 
And that's a huge difference from my other experiences of physical therapy. Because like before, like I said, I've done two different, two other rounds, and mainly they just look, they just concentrated on my knee and my calves. Was, oh, that's right, yeah. You know, and it wasn't they didn't really address any of the other other aspects of it. You know. Well, one thing that's really um, I picked up these clinical nuances because now that we're at FRC clinic, FRC was a system uh, created ten years ago by Dr. Andrea Spina, and. Uh, I don't really have a tremendous amount of respect for a lot of the New York City medical medical community at all. I think doctors are kind of idiots, to be honest with you. I think most PTs suck, and chiros are just out to suck up your insurance money. But when I say that this dude is an anatomy god, I say that with all respect and all sincerity. This dude created his his whole system, and it exists in Canada. It doesn't exist anywhere else on the planet. The Canadians are light years ahead of us. Look him up, Dr. Andrea Spina. He runs his performance center out of Toronto, and I've been taking all his coursework. So we are an FRC-driven clinic. But with him, his whole thing is that the clinical gem is that if you go and maintain your joint health, your joint health bypasses every single anatomical element in the human body. It bypasses your skin. It bypasses the fat underneath. It bypasses the water, the fascia, and multiple layers of, of muscle, nerves, everything. So if your motion has the intent of bypassing the deepest elements in the human body, everyone else is going to come along for the ride. I had this lady in here, um, pregnant lady, earlier today. All we worked on was not a lot of manual work on her for her exploding neck pain, but instead just regaining motion in two limited shoulder areas, the scapula and the glenohumeral joint. All her pain went away. In fact, it shut down the pain in her back, the feet, and it also relaxed her jaw for the first time in two weeks. Simple, folks. To maintain health overall, you need to maintain joint health of three important joints, the shoulder, the hip, and the knee. That's it. End of story. We also have something that's known as our morning routine, where we actually have circles uh, performed by our patients every single morning for the rest of your life. And the simple reason why is that circles have a nourishing effect for two reasons. It's like, uh, I use the analogy all the time, it's like having a seven-year-old kid wake up first thing in the morning. There's two things you always have to do with a, with a little-ass kid. Two things every day. Greet them, like my son. Good morning, Valentino. <sighs> Good morning, Dad. Second, what do you need to eat? Because I know you have a long-ass commute to your trip out to Long Island. You need a little fuel in you. Joints are seven-year-old kids. They need, number one, acknowledgement. Number two, nutrition. That's it. And the best time to do it is in the morning. Joints need breakfast. That's it. They need synovial fluid. That is their breakfast. It's literally lubrication. It looks like motor oil. So without that, if you do your rotations at night... Well, guess what? Do you eat breakfast at 11 o'clock at night before you go to sleep? No, it's fucking retarded. It's stupid. You eat breakfast to initiate your metabolic response and how you're going to set up your calorie intake for the rest of the day and your output. Very simple. So joints are the same way, and they're probably dumb. They really are. If you don't use a joint, guess what? It forget it exists. It's simple. Uh, our, the doctor, Andrea Spina, he was in a room with 40 stud personal trainers, Great bodies, all these crossfit practitioners, yogis, and all this stuff. And he was saying, that joint doesn't exist. This joint has no clue. Your, your feet don't exist. Your ankles don't exist. Your wrist extension doesn't exist. Why are you doing overhead snatches? 
why are you doing handstands, walking handstands? You don't, your wrists don't know they exist. So that's what he meant, is that we have to really take care of our deepest anatomical elements. Everyone else just comes along for the ride. And I got to tell you, it works. It's, it's the cleanest, simplest system I've ever seen in my life. But the patient feedback has been nothing less than stellar. Yeah, I do that every morning, and it's, it's made huge... I mean, you can feel a difference after doing it for a couple of weeks, too, even, like, with your range of motion. You know, you start with your neck, your shoulders, your hips, your knees. Yeah. You know, I, I, my ankles, like, all that stuff. I mean, you've even seen some a lot of improvement in my ankle flexibility, too. A hundred percent. And then that improvement, because, again, you're doing control motion, none of this is passive. If anyone does something for you, guess what? You don't own it. What we're teaching you to do is own control. By owning control, you can place it anywhere that you want. For example, one of the things that was emphasized is, is a great science is actually forensic anthropology. And what these guys do is that they have combined anthropology and forensic science, and what they've realized is that, hey, guess what? Our body hasn't evolved much in the last 50, 100, or 150,000 years we've been on this planet. So in other words, what that means is that I have to have the joint control that I would as my previous ancestors in case... There was a lion that came up to me 50 feet away. Well, guess what? I'm not going to be able to stretch out, do my circles, and then jump into action. I have to have the ability to load my body and jump away from disaster in case that's what happens. Well, unfortunately, we've conditioned ourselves to now work out for an hour a day and then call it and pat ourselves on the back. And, you know, as Edo Portal says, that's okay. That's okay. But it, it shouldn't be like that, though. What we need to do is address more motion snacks. If you are circling your thumb right now, clockwise, for five times forward and five times in reverse, guess what? That's working out. If you are moving your feet inside your shoe to make sure that your toes are still alive, guess what? That is actually working out. So your workout, if you add up the motion snacks, should be anywhere from about two to eight hours a day. I'm doing rehab on myself all the time, on a commuter platform, waiting for the train, brushing my teeth, taking a shower, playing with my kids. I must work out 8 to 12 hours a day. I'm not exaggerating, but we need to uh, not think of a workout as something that's adrenaline-driven, cardio-driven, or high-intensity driven. There's multiple ways to work out all the time, just working in your different joints to promote joint health. So eight hours of promoting joint health will take years off your life as opposed to one hour of just hard work, accelerating through tissue, ripping through tissue, which is going to leave you sore as shit for two to three days, and then you're not going to do anything except want to recover. So that's one of the main things that we do. We try to teach motion snacks. We don't try to teach that one big-ass buffet in the middle of the day and pat yourself on the back. No, we try to teach mobilizations at red lights. Uh, while you're standing for your salad, while your boss is yelling at you, uh, right before you go to sleep, when you wake up, during every transitional moment in the day is an opportunity to learn some type of motion about yourself. It's just having a systematic way and a visualization about it, and that's what we teach here as well. Uh, we're leading in the way of a lot of this primal movement and using our own body and controlling our own body movements, courtesy of uh, guys like Ida Portal, MoveNat, um, and you'll see it all over Instagram. There's a huge movement that traditionally been isolated on the West Coast and in Colorado in particular that's now going global. Forget the United States, it's going global. 
uh, Ido Portal just came back from um, from um, where did he come back from? From Australia. The next MoveNet uh, seminar is in Portugal. I mean, people are going global with this. This natural movement um, theory. So it's really about moving as much as possible throughout the course of the day in little in little chunks, or what we call or Dewey Nelson calls motion snacks. Yeah, I've been incorporating that a lot of uh, you know. Like the, the cars stuff that we do, you know, that that's uh, start the day that way. 100%. But also, um, some of these little techniques when I was going through my shoulder issues with trying to, like, force those joints and, you know, and work that, those areas, um, you know, getting more range of motion with my shoulders and those circles and those, and those areas, too. I do that throughout the day, man. Like, if I just get, if I take a break or get some coffee or whatever, I just, like, go through, like, a little routine and it... It's made a huge even even forcing that elbow the um not the elbow the uh, the ankle range of motion. I'll just kick off my shoes and I'll get down in that position. Hundred percent. And I'll just try to get it further every day. Yeah. A little bit, you know, a little, little bit every time. And I think it's made a huge difference. And I don't get as much aches and pains. I mean, you know, granted, the stuff I do on a daily basis lends itself to getting aches and pains. But I mean, mm. in general, I feel like I recover faster and. You know, and I'm not having any, like, gross joint problems, you know what I mean? Well, one of the things that uh, he brought up really nicely is going into these ranges of motion. For example, a lot of people don't realize that the purpose of a squat is actually a resting position. Uh, I live out in Queens, and I take the seven train home. And you see, the deeper you go into Queens, you will see Malaysians, Cambodians, Filipinos, all sitting in a squat position on the seven train platform. You see it all the time. It's, it's not weird anymore. It's as commonplace as the Chinese guys wearing the surgeon mask because they don't want to pass uh, viruses to each other. This is a resting position. This is a position to take a shit in. This is a position to deliver another human being in during the medieval ages. So what you need to do is get comfortable in the position. Put time in the position. You want to be a great basketball player? Put time on the court, V. You want to be a great wrestler. Put time on the mat. You want to be a great Muay Thai fighter like they do? Train eight hours a day, split routines over there? Guess what? Put time in on the pads, on the bags, and your clinch. Just time in. You, you, time is a necessity for adaptation. Strength stress curves are always based off of basic mathematical curves of distance, how much the tissue will move over time. That's where people are, are forgetting the key component of time. When Mike is taking those breaks, he's not really taking those breaks. He's taking the time to get familiar with a new skill he wants to acquire. That's all he's doing. It, it, that's a really wise way to do it. Just put in the time. Put in the time. And you've got to make time throughout the course of the day. I mean, even sometimes on my uh, laptop, once I have my half an hour patient loads, I'll literally put in half an hour of segments of what throughout the course of the day I want to work on. Rotate, thoracic rotation mobility. This is the year that I want to increase my thoracic rotation. Ankle here. Wrist here. I'm interested in taking Filipino martial arts. My wrist mobility has to be on point. I already got some, shown some basics for Screamer Kali, and I'm lacking severe uh, ulnar deviation and wrist extension to get my circles really in a nice striking manner. My pinkies are weak as shit. I got homework to do if I want to be good. I got to put time in on the stick. It's that, it's that simple. It's, so he's, he's doing something wise by just 
separating out some time and then putting time into whatever he wants to achieve as his desired result. So you say gross anatomy. You actually took that the course? Mm-hmm. Cadavers and everything. How, how was that? Having a couple of cadavers and all that. Once, it's not as revealing as people think. And the reason why is because you'll have one body into 12 different neighborhoods. So it's like saying, I went to New York City, like like my old roommate, for example, in college. He said, yeah, I spent a week in New York City. No, you didn't. You spent a week in my mom's space on 94th of Columbus, and you didn't leave. You, you didn't see any of the city. Kind of the same thing. The unfortunate part is that we didn't. you don't really get to see the whole body, but you get to see neighborhoods. So it will be, again, categorized into scapula humerus, uh, ulnoradial joints, which is a fancy word for your forearms, talocrural joint, fancy word for your ankle joints. So there's this constant reinforcement of categorization because... Even when it's live in front of you, the way it's set up is to promote the tool, not the reality. So they didn't just like throw some some corpse out on a table and. No, not at all. It, it was set up like a twelve course meal, for lack of a better word. Wow. So different neighborhoods. So you never saw any of the fascia how it actually connects from point A to point B. The only appreciation or delineation of that is actually the book right in front of you, Anatomy Trains by Tom Myers. He shows how fascia looks once it's connected with different neighborhoods and stuff. So the teaching tool is highly ineffective. It's unrealistic. Again, it promotes categorization, categorization. Uh, not good. But that's just not here, just here in the United States. That's, that's the overall flaw with, uh, with gross anatomy and how it's taught and stuff. So... So how long is um you you've been in a couple of different locations here because right now we're sitting in your brand new facility you mm-hmm. just moved in a couple of months ago yeah and prior to this you were right across the hallway in a small room yeah okay so how how long ago how long have you been had your own spot three and a half years I was a head therapist at a pretty high end post op uh, therapy place and we did a lot of post ops with hospital special surgery. But the problem, the huge problem with that is that in New York State, the doctors dictate legally what the PT can do. So the PT is just an extension of the, literally an extension of the doctor's hand or an extension of the doctor's pen. So, for example, if you see now uh, someone with um, shoulder scope, labral tear, four anchors, you can't go past this range of motion for four months. I'm sorry, four weeks. Can't do this for about till eight weeks. Can't do this for about 12 weeks. This is known as protocol-driven rehabilitative medicine. Well, the truth of the matter is that you can go in and start cranking on a tissue right off the bat without the anchors having even been cells. Why? Because force is a language of cells. When I ruptured my plantar uh, three months ago, I was uh, doing some barefoot sprinting and two bones popped out and I ruptured my plantar. The first thing I did that night, as much as it was swollen and agonizing, was I went into a deep squat and I did not allow those contractures to settle in. 
And as agonizing as it was, I would ice before to numb it up. I would ice afterwards, take some painkillers, but I refused to let that tissue dictate what it was going to do to me, which was actually limit my walking completely. Normally, a plantar rupture takes nine months to a year and a half to fully heal. Mine took two. And the reason why is because I applied aggressively force from the beginning to force my cells to communicate. You can only force cells to communicate and heal. Healing can only be done through force. Let me repeat that because it seems kind of intuitive. As I say, it seems like a huge oxymoron. Healing can only be done through force because when you are laying down a force on a tissue, you're applying a very, very clean line. So basically, it's almost like when we were busting through the jungles, building the Panama Canal, right through 26 miles of jungle. What we need to do was take this mess, this disorganized mess of fucking jungle, rip right through it and put down a single line through which we can then establish the canal path. It's the exact same thing, folks. My protein will only know where to place itself if I lay down a track, and that track is known as force. Force, force. That's it. So that that way now, I've been able to actually do agility ladder work back at the Kobans Muay Thai camp about six weeks after a double dislocated foot and rupture of the plantar, which is extremely painful. Doctors would have put me in a boot for three months. Six weeks later, I was already doing agility ladder. With some pain, yeah. But again, I need force to set up the track to sub new proteins and tell them and communicate with them at a very cellular level. And it's quite profound because a lot of people will do a lot of soft tissue work and they'll give you a little a little shake and bake. This is how it's done in our industry. A little shake and bake right there and just tell you to bounce, just tell you to beat it. The truth of the matter is a highly educated therapist can communicate with your cells at a truly cellular level. So when I have my assistants work on people, I don't want them working on muscles. I want them talking to your cells. We have the education here. There's only one other chiropractor and one other therapist. And that therapist, he doesn't even know his own place. I think he got fired or something. So there's only two autonomous people here in New York City that have the skill, I should say not God-given, but Canadian skill, Canadian-taught skill, to communicate with yourselves at the most profound level. Only two people. And one of them is me. So that's why people come here. Because I get results done fast. I can regenerate tissue. You don't need to get surgery. I can literally regenerate your tissue. I regenerated a young fighter here who was just on a Friday night fights. He had a UCL tear. He got uh, clinched up by a professional boxer. It was kind of blowing him up a little bit. Tore 70% of his UCL. Within one month, I grew it back. He went for a follow-up MRI pre-op. His doctor said, where the fuck is your tear? He goes, you have a little bit of bicycle tendonitis, but that tear is gone. What did you do? And he goes, my therapist grew it back for me. He fixed it. The dude was blown away. So sometimes this is a plus because doctors, you know, this is business you're taking away from doctors. So I just cost that doctor a $25,000 surgery. So again, there's this constant battle of politics. How much... What is our scope of practice? What are we allowed to do? What are we allowed to teach? So my network is not doctors because I will never be dictated by what some money-driven doctor wants me to do or I should say not do. 
So in other words, it benefits the doctor for that patient with the tear to go see him, get some swag therapy, because then he's going to end up banking on the, the surgery itself. So my network is good people, their families, their loved ones, but more than anything, coaches. With coaches, coaches trust me, they send their people here, and I work completely autonomously. That's the law within New York State. So after three years, I've been practicing for nine. After three years, no one can tell me shit about how to run my practice or my techniques. Completely autonomous, which allows for creative, effective um, techniques versus some line that you're going to get. So ultimately, the doctor can end up pocketing the money for surgery and stuff. So it, or it's any nice. insurance companies too, man. That's like just oh, yeah. that whole system, you know. And I feel like. What's really exciting to me is like therapy like this, and or, and this is it's more than it's almost like training really because you're training your body and your cells to sort of react the way you know in a more desirable way than atrophy, and uh, things like PRP and Regenikine and all these other like where they're just basically taking your own growth hormones and healing factors and jacking them up and putting them back in your body and you basically heal, heal yourself. It, well, it's funny because that's basically blood doping. But the problem with blood doping is that you're hitting blood, which is not the deepest tissue. Uh, blood is a tissue. Uh, a lot of people don't think of it that way. But blood is just a tissue. Why? Because it comes from, a again, a fibroblast. So blood has a lot in common with an eyeball, with a toenail, or with for lack of a better term, the mid-belly of a bicep muscle. It's all the same thing, folks. It's all tissue. So when, you're t- when, so when your strategy is to take an intermediate tissue and hope that by injecting it back into the body, it's going to be able to help regenerate a deeper anatomical element, that's ridiculous. It's basically saying, all right, gentlemen, I need my basement fix so hit the lobby. That's exactly what you're doing. To hit the deepest elements, which will bypass everything, what you need to do is go straight to the joint. So what we do here is we bulletproof joints. We take joints that are in ranges of motion, apply force, force communication with that cell, and what that does is it teaches that joint to be what's known as a bulletproof joint. Um, again, to credit Dr. Andrea Spina, he created that term, he coined that term. But it works, folks, because by the time you're stimulating that joint, right, uh, let's just say I'm working on someone's hip internal rotation. A buddy of mine, he's a karate stud for like 30 years, uh, Kyokushin. And uh, he had a couple of failed ACLs. Um, and I was cranking his internal rotation for his back. And he felt it at his knee. I said, nope, let's go after the knee. And I started cranking on it. He held it, took some isometric loading, forcing communication with that knee. Because God forbid that knee gets put in a compromised position on a hardware floor during a kumite. What do you think is going to happen if I lean on it a little bit? How do you think it's going to react when the whole body collapses on it? So what we do is that we sense any weakness, not within the body, within the articular joint system, We go after it aggressively, and we bulletproof that joint and all the tissue surrounding it. Remember, tissue, blood, arteries, veins, skin, muscle will follow and get strong. There's, uh, in addition to, like, all this other therapy, there's a lot of sort of 
agility and strength training stuff here too as well. Like there's a whole other section in this building of this floor that's, you know, we got kettlebells, we got some, you know, <coughs> some of these machines that I've you've trained me on before. Mm -hmm. And uh, so how does that fit into the whole philosophy of this place? Well, the whole philosophy is that when you look at how therapies comprise, especially sports therapy, there is your PT side and then your training side. So what we decided to do was really delineate the training area. However, with a transitional, with a transitional intent. So a lot of theories that we took for for the training come from three places. When I was across the hall, <coughs> in just a concrete room with no equipment. All I did was a sports science lab program developed by Gavin McMillan. Did that for about two, three years. Know it inside and out. Then what we did was start acquiring some kettlebells, unconventional training, which includes kettlebells, Indian clubs, steel maces, <coughs> chains. And what makes them unconventional is the fact that they don't have a clean center of gravity. Really. I mean, you look at the way other cultures have been training, whether it's uh, Iranians, Indians, Russians, they've taken makeshift asymmetrical um, objects and trained with them. That's what basically unconventional training is, is when your center of gravity is not clean like on a 45-pound Olympic bar or like on a plate. In addition to that, what we decided to do was two things. We are a barefoot-driven clinic. Everything we do is barefoot. I'm, I try to be barefoot all day. Barefoot sprints, agilities, barefoot everything. 70% of the joints in the human body are from your ankle down. The most complicated aspect of the human body, orthopedically, without doubt, is the feet. The fact that your feet, all 26 bones, have to splay out every time that you take a step and then make a solid fist so you can then transfer your body weight over... They, it's like making a fist 10,000 days. Tomorrow, try to make a fist 10,000 days. Well, that's what your feet go through basically in a day, and they're supporting your entire body weight. So as a result, we have a indoor turf, custom-made, cut out. Also, everything that we do is completely barefoot. We have hardwood plyo boxes, foam plyo boxes. Everything else, uh, machine-wise, we actually got custom-made by Rogue. Uh, why? Because Rogue is high quality, made in the USA, steel laser cut products. Uh, I looked at the, a lot of the Chinese counterparts because uh, there's one town in China, in uh, the central east, that actually specializes in making Rogue knockoffs. And they were just dog shit, man. It was just embarrassing. <clears throat> so what I decided to do was go with the best made in the USA steel cut machines so we have our custom-made Road Infinity Rig. We have the Glute Hammy Developer. We also have other things that are unique. Like we have, have a slack line so people can actually improve their balance. The other thing that we have is also a super cap, compensatory acceleratory technique. Kind of looks like a vertical jumping machine, but what it is, it's basically a track and field all within one machine. It teaches you to be extremely fast. If you want to be fast, throw shit. That's it. Your central nervous system fires best I should say quickest when you are when you are firing against thirty percent of your uh, one rep max. <coughs> so with a super cap, we get to load you up 
at just a mere 30% of your one rep max and just teach it to be fast, fast. Teach your tendons to react, store potential energy, convert it to kinetic. We also have a custom-made link accelerator machine. Folks, there's only three of them in the United States, and I own one of them. And what it does is it's a machine that has completely eliminated the useless eccentric portion of motion, which is basically a bodybuilder technique. That's like getting a negative, like on a curl. That's a bodybuilding technique. That's just to get diesel, big, big and buff. And what it's done is completely eliminated it by having to fight, by, in, by creating resistance by using fan blades of different sizes. So all you're getting is a concentric, concentric, concentric. It does three things extremely well. Establishes rhythm. <coughs> a lot of people don't realize how much rhythm goes into sport. Rhythm develops tempo, rhythm develops acceleration, so rhythm develops RFD or rate of force development. The other thing is it protects your back. This, this, whenever you're doing a leg press on this machine, for example, there's a ball, there's a physio ball underneath you absorbing all the force to the, outs, to the back of your pelvis. There's not one ounce of compressive force that exists actually on your spine. So you can get your legs ridiculously strong. I mean, like squatting 1,200 pounds of leg press strong never puts an ounce of pressure on your back. And the other thing that's nice about this is that it can be used in, again, application is limited by creativity. You can use it for your back, your shoulders. If you don't want to use those terms, you can just use it for your three major groups, your legs, your push-pull, leg push-pull, leg push-pull. Um, so the machine is... Custom made by Zach Fuller from Corexcel. Amazing machine because anywhere that you push, it stimulates the nerve to branch out and make itself comfy at home. So anywhere that you feel it resisting on the machine, there's going to be actually new nerve branches that go on. So it makes you very strong, very fast, at a much more rhythmful way. And also we have an infinity rig. And what we usually mostly use that for is actually uh, hanging. I'm not a big fan of pull-ups at all, not one bit, but what I'm a huge fan of is hanging. Hanging builds density of the tissue that's surrounding the joint. If you do too many pull-ups, all the force goes into your back. None of it goes into the joint. Pull-ups will not make your shoulders stronger, will not make your shoulder capsule stronger. If we have torn labrums in here, we slap them up on that machine, on the, on the infinity rig, and we have them hold, just hang. For 30 seconds. That stabilization force works infinitely better for the rotator cuff complex than doing these jerk-off exercises that the whole world has you doing. Because that's an interesting point, man. Because yeah. I, you know, I, I you know, for pull-ups are like a staple to any kind of strength and conditioning program. Absolutely. So just like hanging, really. Hanging strengthens the rotator cuff because wow. the purpose of the rotator cuff is to stabilize the humerus into the scapula. So when you are hanging, you can do different variations of hanging. Hanging just it doesn't have to be two arms. You can hang, do a lateral sway, adding a coronal component, add a transverse sway, so you're actually rotating it, so now you can strengthen the front of the capsule versus the back of the capsule. You can hang, manipulating your legs in circles or whatever to induce a stimulus on the, on the shoulder. Or you can also hang with one arm, which, folks, is extremely hard. To me, nobody in here does pull-ups at all. In fact, what we do is actually, it's kind of ironic, from the hang, we actually don't transition to pull-ups. We transition into dynamic flying pull-ups. 
And the reason why is because when you look at a flying pull-up, it's, it's a misnomer. It's more like a series of dynamic flying hangs. So if you look at how, let's say, a lemur jumps from tree to tree, they're not doing a pull-up when they land or to take off or whatever. They're hanging, using their legs to generate force, and then in midair, open chain hand position, gripping and stabilizing the hanging position one more time. So if you look at the function of primates, they're not meant to pull themselves up. They're meant to hang. Really study, again, your, your, your evolution, your advanced biology, strong science geek here. I have three degrees all in science. I uh, was a science and math teacher for five years. I've thought about this a lot. But mathematically, the human body is meant to hang, not to vertically pull. And when you do that, it's going to compress the humerus into the scapula. And it's going to bulletproof, again, the high, most unstable joint in the human body, which is the ball and socket joint. I mean, how many times do you dislocate it? We have people who dislocate their shit here all the time. What do we have them do? We have the progressive hanging program. So what, uh, like, if you wanted to just start doing that on your own, which I think I'm going to start doing that, mm-hmm. we just start with, like, 30-second intervals. 30-second intervals. Actually, be honest with you, 20-second intervals. 20-second intervals to start off Yeah, with. and the reason why 20 seconds is a magic number at this clinic is because 20 seconds has been documented as the time it takes to communicate with the cells at a cellular level more profound than actually with the muscle itself. So because 20 seconds equals 70% of your one rep max, which is the same as 12 reps. Think about that for a second, and I'll repeat it. If you knock out 12 reps of hypertrophy training, of strength training, that is 70% of your one rep max, look it up, which is 20 seconds of activity. So everything that we do here does not exceed 20 seconds of isometric holds. Not at all. Because you go too high... It becomes strength, which is actually more the the neuromuscular thing. So again, you're bypassing the joint. And if it goes too long, you're risking injury. So 20 seconds is a magic number. Folks, we do our homework here. We don't want the nerve and the muscle. We want to bulletproof the joint. 20 seconds, 70% of your one rep max, is how we communicate with cells at the most profound, deepest cellular level which means that it will promote tissue regeneration. Not 80%, not 60%, not 90%. That promotes muscular regeneration, but not cellular regeneration at the joint. 70%, 20 seconds. Look it up. Wow. That's, yeah. uh, that's some new shit, man. Because uh, mm-hmm. Now, what do you recommend, like, with, a, with palms out or everything? Just all different variations of grip on there? God knows if, if uh, you're walking your lady friend's dog and that dog takes off on you, you got to bulletproof every single joint. So we initially start off with a pronated position, pronated wide, pronated extra wide, supinated, 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 and you're going to feel the stress between the the cap of the deltoid and exactly how your bicep rolls underneath there. And if it's clogged up, that motion is going to reveal it very quickly. Then what we started doing is that we started doing lateral pulls with it, alternating grips. We can add weight. We can add a weight vest to you. If you really have a previous history of um, shoulder pain, 40-pound weight vest on Amazon, 60 bucks, man. Go, to, go with a 40-pound weight vest to the park, hang for 20 seconds at a time, 5 to 10 sets, Watch your shoulder be stronger than it's ever been in your life. But not your shoulder. 
your rotator cuff complex, which stabilizes the shoulder joint. That's something that's some brand new shit, man, for me. Yes, yeah, 20 seconds, man, magic number. Everything we do here, 20 seconds. Everything I teach my kids, 20 seconds. 20 seconds, 20 seconds. Yeah, it really is. So where can people uh, find you on the web? I, I know that you have an Instagram now. Yeah, my uh, my assistant, uh, Marissa, she's great because she's part of this uh, new generation. Uh, <laughs> she's like 21, and she goes, this is what we do all day. This is what kids do all day. They develop accounts and stuff. So my Instagram account is uh, Fabian Garcia, DPT, F-A-B-I-A-N, first name, last name, G-A-R-C-I-A, DPT, Doctor of Physical Therapy. And um, we also set up um, a Tumblr series but the only thing that's whack about Tumblr is that you can't get feedback from people. So I don't know if just my mom see my Tumblr or a thousand people. There's no statistical feedback whatsoever. But we have a weekly online uh, lecture series called the Intelligent Sports Lecture Series. And we're addressing different topics, man. The different topics revolve around three things that I specialize and have a formal education in, which is physical therapy sports training, and nutrition. Folks, the quickest way to get better is biochemistry, which is food science. So here, we're big advocates of the paleo diet. We're huge, huge on glutamine supplementation, absolutely huge. And we're huge on a high anti-inflammatory diet. And uh, you can look us up, look, look up exactly what that means. But one of the things we also do here is that we magnetize our water, and we're huge on magnet therapy. Uh, magnet therapy is how we handle inflammation, folks. You have inflammation, I can promise you. I don't care how deep it is. We had this uh, older lady from upstairs. She came in, keeled over, crying. Huge pancreatitis. Well, how do you control inflammation of the pancreas, a visceral organ, in a 62-year-old woman? Right? Easy. You set her up in a magnet sandwich. And the magnet sandwich is, is, is uh, completely described. Even I even tell you where to buy all, all, all the shit. I, I really do. I mean, this is a year where I'm really going to... Uh, no more secrets. I'm going to just reveal everything I know to as many people as possible. Hopefully make a change in the medical community, man. Starting here in New York, but I can see with the Instagram, really a lot of people are responsive on the West Coast and in different countries in particular have a lot of followers in Australia, which is in London too, which in the UK, which is great to see, man. Those are highly educated medical communities out there. So yeah, we do uh, magnetized water. We magnetize our water here. We're huge promoters of not alkaline diets, but trying to be a little bit more alkaline, a little bit less acidic. American diets huge the acidic folks. If you don't know what that means, um, go to rens.com, R-E-N-R-E-N-S-E.com. And start looking at how much of your food is truly acidic. How much of your booze is acidic. How much of your coffee is acidic. We are killing ourselves slowly. But what we think is a healthy diet about what the government promotes with their six healthy guidelines is complete fucking dog shit. They got their pockets full with all the major uh, producers of beef and dairy. That's one of the first things you need to cut out. Gluten-free diet, standard issue for every person that comes here. You want to eat gluten? Go have a beer. That's it. But stay away from the gluten, man. It promotes inflammation. kills you from the inside out. Uh, if I can have my 75-year-old immigrant mother on a gluten-free diet, trust me, folks, you can do it too. It took me 10 years to convince her, but she, she's doing the right things now. 
so we talk a lot about biochemistry through food science and stuff like that. But again, it's all on uh, the Tumblr account, which is also Fabian Garcia DPT, and the Instagram Fabian Garcia DPT, and website Fabian Garcia DPT.com <laughs> to be a little redundant. Yeah, Instagram is pretty dope, man. I mean, at, for, at the very least, man, if you're out there, uh, you know, follow him on Instagram, get those numbers up. Do, you know, you got a bunch of just some videos on there. Yeah. Um, you know, some photographs, and I guess they can hit you up through the website too. A hundred percent, or through the Instagram, or I put I put my cell phone number. I mean, I really want to be as uh, reachable as possible. Do you know what I mean? For what, even if you don't have health insurance, man, for what we charge, for what we know, and what we do, it is we're practically giving it away, folks. And the reason why is we want to spread this different way of approaching your health. We, we, I, I just feel compelled that we at this clinic need to change a lot of things and people's thought process out there. And people are doing great things by kind people with good intentions, right? But they're going down the wrong path real quick. And, and, they, and, they, and people who come here have very open minds about what they're going to listen to, the type of treatment that they're going to get. And the type of homework that they're going to get. You, you have to do your homework. Not going to be with you all the time. You have to understand theory when you come here. We take the time to explain theory. And you have to do your homework as well. So, and thank God, the population that we've had so far has, has just fit all those criteria. So it's, it's been a wonderful just working with just awesome people who are just so open-minded, just so educated, you know? Educated people who get or really really will really absorb a lot of uh hopefully useful stuff here so it's helped me a lot thank you well uh, well thanks for staying late tonight brother oh Appreciate yeah it, of course anytime yeah you know, and uh yeah i love doing great work here and just you know wanted to share that with everybody thank you my man all right man thanks a lot brother cool